Soul Filler Diaries is here to meet you wherever you are on your life path. Life is like a mountain trail with ups and downs, twists and turns. It is most fulfilling when you follow the path best suited for you and find the beauty along the way. We hope to be relatable, inspiring, and leave you with healthier minds, bodies, and wallets. Join me in conversations with guests that intend to fill our souls and help us all along our path to living an abundant life. So excited to be here today for episode three of the Soul Filler Diaries. And with us today, we have Megan Wolf of Girls on the Run of Snohomish County. Thank you for joining us today, Megan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is great. I love connecting with you. Um, And I think at the at the beginning of every one of my diary entries, I'm going to be like, I am so excited to be here with you today because I'm doing this because I love connecting with people and people that fill my soul and inspire me. And, and you are definitely one of those people. So um, I'm excited to kind of delve into your story. Well, thanks. That makes me feel really good. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what Girls on the Run is? Yeah, um, I am the executive director at Girls on the Run and have been for eight years. And Girls on the Run is a after school program and summer camp for girls and gender expansive youth that are in grades three through eight. And we serve Snohomish County, but the program itself is available in all 50 states and in parts of Canada. So it's Girls on the Run International. We are an independent nonprofit just serving our community in Snohomish County, which is really exciting. But we get to be part of this larger collective impact across the country that is empowering girls to be their best selves. So our program uses running and active games to teach important life skills to kids because we want them to be able to make healthy choices in all aspects of their life for themselves instead of letting the media tell them who they should be or their friends tell them what they should like. We want kids to know they have the power to make those choices for themselves. So we touch on things like self-confidence, turning their negative voice in their head and does something more positive. We talk about friendship issues. Are you being a good friend? Are your friends treating you how you need to be treated? Um, Identifying our emotions, naming our emotions, dealing with them in healthy ways. All these big things that allow kids to show up every day as their best selves and then make healthy choices as they grow. So one aspect of the program is the kids learn to work together and compromise and they get to pick a community service project and give back to their community, which is a really fun piece of it. And the whole time they're running or walking or dancing and training for a 5K. And our 5K is all about celebrating their hard work and long-term goal setting. And it's not about running fast. It's just about doing the best they can and having fun. And just that and empowering them, empowering them to believe in themselves and be who they are, which I love. Now, I found you and Girls on the Run, I think, seven years ago, right? When yeah. I started coaching. Um, and I say those that year that I coached, I think I took away more than the kids. The life lessons that you learn, like it was so great. And I remember at the end of the season, just like tearing up and like at the whole experience, it was one of the best things I feel like I've ever done when I'm giving, you know, and giving back. It was the most rewarding being able to build the relationships with the girls and also take those lessons away from my life. I mean, the coping skills, the things that they're learning, it's it's pretty good stuff. So um, I I love Girls on the Run and I'm excited to continue to support Girls on the Run and all the work that they do. So a number of my friends' kids have gone through it. Of course, my own daughter went through it. Um, it's I, I just, yeah, can't talk it up anymore because it's just just such a great program. And being part of that 5K 
So fun. So 5K is coming up this weekend, right? June 4th. Yep. 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 So um, that's a lot of, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. It is. It's, we'll have, we have 600 kids in the program right now. So they'll all be showing up with their families and friends and community members. We have a lot of people signed up to run it as supporters of those kids in the program. Um, and then we just have community runners who like to come out because it's a really fun event. Um, everyone gets the bib number one because we think everyone is number one and everyone gets a finisher's medal. It's all about really celebrating the hard work and having fun. So we do some fun zone activities before the event so the kids can get really excited about it. We have sponsors and community organizations there and fun music and just so many people cheering on those kids the whole time. So it's a really, we like to think of it as the most joyful 5k around for sure. For sure. And the energy is so good. Last year, I I did some different volunteer work, but I was working. I remember specifically just being at the finish line and watching these kids come across and the joy on their faces and just everybody cheering them on. And, and like you said, the music and energy, and it's it's just the best. So yeah, we have a lot of families in our program that have never been part of a collective sporting event like this. They've never mm-hmm. been to a race. And so that joy of crossing the finish line is so raw and real. And these kids have worked so hard for it. And yeah, I've never watched one of the finish lines at the 5k without crying. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> it's, it is emotional. It is like really just a cool experience to be there. So if you're interested in ever volunteering, you guys are always looking for volunteers for the 5k for coaching, sub coaching, and then also your summer camps, right? Yeah. Yeah. So our program, only happens because of volunteers. We have a very lean staff. We have three of us and then um, a part-time intern. And so (laughs) we're trying to do a lot. So our programs are volunteer-led. So we train our coaches. They give a lot of time. For summer camp, we have coaches working with us um, nine to five or nine to two for a Monday through Friday timeframe. And we try to make it fun and worthwhile. We provide a lot of good training that can be taken into other aspects. So CPR first aid training, Mm -hmm. training around um, diversity and inclusion. That's really good. How to make lessons work for kids with different abilities and so Mm -hmm. that everyone feels really included, which are great things for parents and teachers and anyone that works with kids. And so we feel like we give that benefit to our volunteers. We also have a lot of one-off opportunities too. Our 5K is a great one. It's a couple hours, one day a year, and it's really fun. We do a fundraiser in the fall called our Sneaker Soiree and always need some event volunteers just the day of to help it run smoothly. So lots of different ways to get involved. Yeah. So if you're interested at all, yeah, we'll get your contact information before we wrap up and so people can reach out if they're interested in, in getting involved and being being able to be part of the joy. Right. So tell us a little bit. I kind of I've been involved like seven years, but you've been you started Girls in the Run of Snohomish County a decade ago. Was it eight years? Eight years. OK, you got in pretty early. OK, <laughs> <laughs> Yay. yeah, I actually got involved with Girls in the Run when I lived in Seattle. And so Girls in the Run of Puget Sound is our sister council to the south. Um, mm-hmm. So they cover King County and they've been around a lot longer than us. So I think they started in 2002 and and I guess it was 2012. Um, I had a one-year-old. And after they had been born, I had walked away from a job that loved on paper, hated in reality. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of used that as an excuse to <laughs> try to figure out what I wanted to do that was more fulfilling. After they turned one, I went through a period, just a couple of weeks, where I 
went through a miscarriage and it was a very early mm-hmm. miscarriage. So at the time it was not super, it wasn't very hard emotionally, but it was still one of those big events that you're yeah. like, Oh, okay, this is happening. And then two weeks after that, my husband actually got in a bike crash while he was on a training ride for, um, with some friends and broke his collarbone and had to have surgery. And so all of a sudden he couldn't lift up our kid anymore who was one years old and really liked that attention. Yeah. And, um, I felt kind of trapped. I had walked away from a job, but I really wanted a career. Mm-hmm. And so I was was trying to find something to get out of my own head just mm-hmm. to do something for me. And I stumbled upon Girls on the Run and I got to go be a running buddy. So I did the 5K with one of the kids and it was a 12 year old named Angel and Aww. she sprinted so fast that I thought <laughs> I was going to die running with her. But then she walked um, and so I could keep up. But she was telling me about how she really wanted to go to the Olympics in gymnastics. And I was like, oh, that's so great. How long have you been doing gymnastics and her answer was that she's never taken gymnastics that she was teaching herself cartwheels and just that that confidence and Mm -hmm. that belief that she could do this was so infectious and she was so joyful in it and I just thought man there's something really special about this program from there I became a coach and I coached a team in Shoreline for um, three seasons and got to coach the same kids through throughout that and so see their growth like you said I got so much out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I struggled with some depression during that time. And I would go to girls in the run practice and it would fill me up completely. And I feel like teaching the lessons to the kids was what helped me pull yes. me out of my own head yes. and set me on a path that was much more joyful that I just fell in love with the program. I talked to everyone I knew about it, got people involved. I did some fundraising for them. And when I had a three-year-old and a six-month-old, a random comment from a person that I know about how it was too bad it wasn't in Snohomish County sort of planted a seed in my mm-hmm. brain. And I was like, oh yeah, but it's like, it's really hard to start. It's a yeah. whole new nonprofit. You have to do all this stuff. And they just kind of casually were, were like, oh, you should do it. And it was sort of the right idea at the right time. So we spent about six months recruiting some board members. It was basically people I knew that ran. I Mm -hmm. said, now you're helping me with this. And most of them were pretty eager. We had to put together a business plan and show that we could raise money. So Girls in the Run International approves new councils. And how that process works is they want to see that you're really serious about building an organization that is going to serve lots of kids. Mm -hmm. You're not just doing it for your own child while they're the right age. That was easy for me to do. I don't have any girls. So I'm clearly not doing it for my own kids. (laughs) Um, And so we, our first season was um, the fall of 2015. We started with 40 kids in the past eight years we've reached about 3,200 kids throughout Snohomish County. That so. is amazing. And and the great thing is, is a lot of the programs are in schools where kids really need that attention, right? There's the spread that you have through the county um, and in areas where there is that need has been great to see that growth. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because the program is really designed where it's really beneficial to any girl this age, yep. we think. You mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of good data that shows by age nine, girls' self-confidence is tanking. Mm-hmm. Their body image issues are already starting. It's so early. By third grade, they're already dealing with gossiping and bullying and yep. all those issues. So we think that it's beneficial for all the kids. But there are definitely those schools that the families have less access to mm-hmm. high quality after school programming. And so we're able to go in there and offer our program at a very low cost. We provide a lot of financial aid and we are able to provide kids with running shoes so that they have a really full experience. They they don't get injured running. They right. get to try it out. What we've been really impressed with is at our really high need schools. So the Title I schools in the region, we have some of the most dedicated volunteers. That's we get awesome. four, five, six staff members from those schools stepping up to coach teams because they see that the kids really need that support, yeah. which is... And that's because you run kind of a lean overhead, right? Because it's 
volunteer based and you've got the the small group that kind of runs it, that's where the money from the sneaker soiree and all that, that's all going back to give these opportunities to these kids during the school year and at the summer camps, right? Yeah. 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 So this season, we actually had about 60% of our, our kids, um, of those 600 kids were on full scholarship levels. We do ask families to pay $25 if they can. If that's a hardship, we'll work with them. But that's just so there's that, that buy-in for the whole season because we really have to keep our team small. And so we want to make sure the families are going to stick with it the whole season. Yeah. We do a lot of our fundraising. We get a lot of grants. We do the sneaker soiree, which brings in money for that. So all year we're doing the fundraising to try to try to make sure we can say yes to every kid that wants yeah. to do the program on the other side of that, we're also trying to, um, the nonprofit world has a lot of toxic practices around mm-hmm. how they treat employees. And so mm-hmm. we're trying really hard to undo some of that. So we do have pretty good compensation packages for nonprofits our size, because we feel like taking care of our employees is the only way we have a good program too. Right. And, and how you retain good people. I mean, yeah. you have, you have a great group and they've been with you for most of the time, right? Yeah. So one of our program, our program director has been with me seven of the eight years yeah. I've been doing this. And then our other staff member has been with us just over five. And they're great. I mean, it's it's like the energy from all these people in what they do is pretty awesome. We're a pretty passionate, energetic team. (laughs) (laughs) Great energy, great energy. So where do you see it going from here, like growing? Yeah, I think one of the neat things about our program is we do want to keep growing. We want to get into more schools. We're in eight school districts right now, but there's a lot of schools within those school districts that we don't have our program. At. So we really want to want to get into new schools. So we reach those new families. We want to expand at schools we're at. So in some of our schools, we have one team, which might be 15 kids, and we would love to double that and have mm-hmm. two teams. And so that we can just be reaching more kids that way. But with serving a specific age group, there's always new kids coming in. Yeah. And so what we see at the schools that we have teams at is that the first and second graders are looking forward to third grade because then they can join in. And yeah. so that's one way we are always reaching more kids and building that energy around the program. Yeah. So as part of that, you know, we want to talk a little bit about some of the obstacles. And of course, like there, there have been some obstacles over the last, you know, three years, (laughs) right? So you want to talk through some of that, um, and how it's impacted your program. Yeah. Um, so the COVID school closures came out three days before our season was supposed to start. And we had close to 800 kids signed up. So that was a real blow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, we navigated it really well. We had a really supportive board. We had a really supportive community. So one thing we did while we were refunding lots of money yes. <laughs> to the families that had signed up was we put out an ask and said, you know, we really want to be here when when we can be back at the schools. And so if you would donate your registration fee, that would really help us. And we had we had a uh, more than we expected say, yeah, oh, we would good. like to do that. And mm-hmm. so we did a virtual 5K just to get people out running and connecting. And um, we sort of pivoted and used the used the pause in programming to really dive into some work around racial equity and doing some personal work and education education for ourselves. We are a white led organization. So Mm -hmm. really diving into what harms are we doing just Mm -hmm. by nature of being a white led organization serving a diverse population. Mm -hmm. So we really spent some intense time during COVID diving into that and changing some of our policies and really building some goals around how we grow in a really intentional way that is addressing some of that. And then we were able to offer some virtual programming um, in the fall when kids were doing virtual school. We felt a little bit bad also offering a virtual program. But what I found, I got to coach a virtual team and our kids would do it outside. They would sit under a tree. They would 
play on their trampoline while tuning in. And um, so we got them outside. It was different than school and it allowed them to connect to us in a way that was different. And so that was really fun. And then we had to do a season where we couldn't be at schools because schools weren't really operating normally. And so we went and did community teams at local parks. We were much smaller. So we reached about 200 and some kids that year. Um, But we reached those kids. And after doing remote school all year, you put 10 or 15 elementary school kids in a park and just them running free together was one of the greatest things. It was so uplifting. It was so great. And And so really that need, that mental health need at that time was so, yeah. I mean, like these kids needed that, that lift. They did. And I think the adults, the coaches that coached that year needed it. Yeah, we all did. And because a lot of people were doing remote work, we actually got people who had always wanted to coach for us who never could. And they, but they were working more flexible time because they were remote work. And so they got a chance to coach, which was really fun. Yeah. And last year we were back at schools and building back up. So last year we reached about 450 kids and this year we're up to 600. And so we're expecting by next year to finally have our biggest season again (laughs) since 2019. (laughs) That's great. And I think that's kind of where the world is too. We're finally feeling like, okay, it's like taking baby steps to feel like we're really fully back to normal. Yeah. And one thing we noticed this year across the board, personally, but also we work with a lot of teachers, a lot of school staff and a lot of parents. Those are our main Mm -hmm. volunteer groups. Everyone is more burnt out this year than last year, which is interesting because we didn't really expect that necessarily. Last year, I think there was so much excitement that things were getting back to normal Mm -hmm. that we had people very excited to coach. They were all excited. And teachers are really burnt out Mm -hmm. and rightfully so. And parents are tired out. And so engaging has been a little a little more difficult this year. But we have a great group of coaches. And I think, uh, yeah, I I look back and I was on the school board during during COVID. And during that time, I felt like, okay, we had to stay through it, right? Mm -hmm. You had to stick together as a team. You had to get through it. It was like there was a need there. But I get that burnout because I stepped off the school board last summer because it was kind of like, okay, we're through this need and I just need to step back from myself and my family, right? Um, But I feel like having done that, like now it's been a year, it's like, okay, I'm ready to engage. So hopefully next year, Maybe people will have taken a breath, reset and ready to get back and engage. Yeah. And that being said, we do have a group of coaches that this is their sixth year coaching Mm -hmm. with us. And that includes virtual coaching. That includes either all pre-pandemic and now Mm post-pandemic. But we have a very dedicated group. And then we have all these brand new coaches who are so excited to come back, which is really exciting because they're young and energetic and um, we need all of them. Yeah. (laughs) And really, like, I I mean, if people could just go experience it, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you are excited to go back and do it again because it's such a a high, you know, it gives you so much joy. So yeah, well, thank you for bringing the joy into Snohomish County. (laughs) We try. (laughs) (laughs) So when you look back over the last eight years, like, do you have a favorite memory, a favorite 5k or a favorite moment in time that you kind of hold on to as inspiration? That that's hard. There's so many. But I think that, um, you know, we actually just got a note last week from a parent who's also a coach this year. And I think it captures a lot of what, what my favorite moments hold in common is she was a parent, just a parent last year. Mm -hmm. So her daughter did the program and had just this very inspiring 
experience. Just loved it. Talked about it all the time. It really got her talking more about what was happening in her life, both at home and with teachers. And it was just a really good experience. And so mom decided this year she wanted to be more involved. So she found a way to also coach. And um, she wrote to us about how it's been so awesome to be a part of watching her daughter participate again and get to be a part of it and get to help be part of the leadership and the driving force behind it, but also just get to sit back and observe her her child in this context where she's just really feels like she gets to show up as her authentic self in a world where that's not always possible. And it was just so uplifting. And that's what we want to give both parents and kids is that confidence to be comfortable being themselves, Mm -hmm. being their just whole self, Mm -hmm. no matter what other people are thinking or saying about them. And, um, you know, when I first started this, my niece, who is one of my favorite humans in existence, um, she was just going into third grade. And that was one of the the motivating factors was, oh, she gets to do it. So she did the program multiple times. And now she's come back and been she helped coach camp last summer, which was awesome. And both her and her parents have talked about how now in high school, they still see that the lessons learned in Girls on the Run really shining through. And right. she she really is very comfortable in her own skin and being her own person. And they really credit the program with that, um, which makes me feel really good. Yeah. And having strong friendships because you learn how to communicate through issues yeah. and, and then you learn some really fun cheers. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some songs and uh, yeah, lots of lots of good times. And in, in, a, in most jobs, you don't have a rainbow unicorn onesie you wear sometimes. <laughs> (laughs) and a rainbow tutu and a superhero cape, but I have all of those. That's so fun. That's so fun. And like, what a great example for the boys that you're raising, right? Like, I think they are so lucky to have you as their mom, you know, leading the way. Thank you. I love um, both my kiddos will wear the girl power shirts and Mm -hmm. stuff, and they can talk very clearly about why more men, more gender expansive kids need to feel comfortable building up the women around them. And I love it because they're nine and 12 and they can already articulate that. Yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. So as we get to the end of the episode or diary entry, we'll talk about some words of advice that you have for listeners. So what words of advice do you have today? I think one thing that I would encourage everyone is to find your core group of supporters, whether it's a one friend, a couple friends, but that space where you really get to 100% be you. Because the more you carve out space to be authentically you, the more comfortable you are doing that in spaces that aren't as supportive just out in the world. And I think that when I think about the world we live in, if everyone could really show up as their true selves and be confident in that, Mm-hmm. It would just be a happier, more compassionate place all around. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I can relate to that. Like, I think in the society that I was raised in, and I don't know about you, it's like we had all these shoulds. Like, yeah. you have to do this. This is how you live your life. You go do this. And like, I'm probably going to tear up because I have trying, been trying to uncondition myself from the shoulds, right? Like, I don't have to do life the way that society thinks I should do life. Like, I can do life for me, you know, and that's, that's so impactful that we can be teaching kids. And I think that our kids in that generation, they are fortunate to be growing up in a world where they can be who they are and be supported. Yeah. And I think the more adults that we get undoing some of those shoulds from our Mm -hmm. childhood, the more Mm -hmm. comfortable those adults are letting the kids be themselves. And we need more of that. Right. I agree. So as we wrap up today, just take a moment to think about who you have in your circle that allows you to really be who you are and just embrace that. And and that's, you know, I think you asked me earlier, like, 
why did I start doing this? Um, and taking your advice, like I do have really close friends. You know, I have, a, I'm blessed to have like a group of friends that I can fully be myself around that really are supporting this, this like whim I'm on here <laughs> doing this podcast. But what started it is just like wanting to engage with these people that fill my soul and that I'm inspired by and sharing that with other people. So if there's somebody out there like listening they can experience this connection and the joy that you have by being with, yeah, you. So <laughs> thank you again for being here today. Yeah, and thanks for having us. me. Yeah. I love talking about Girls on the Run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that's a wrap. We're going to go on some more adventures and see you in the next diary entry. To learn more about Girls on the Run of Snohomish County, you can follow them on Instagram at Girls on the Run Snow Co., Find their website at girlsontherunsnowco.org or reach out to Megan at megan.wolf at girlsontherun.org. Nationally, you can also find Girls on the Run at girlsontherun.org. Soul Filler Diaries, hosted by Brandy Hecker, produced by Red Trucks. <laughs>